You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. It's great to be together. And uh, we're going to welcome the Brighton Campus in just a moment. We're going to welcome the Brighton Campus right now. Welcome Brighton Campus as you join us. The video link. Um, yay. And uh, this month, we decided to turn my microphone on so they could actually hear that welcome. Um, sorry, guys, last month that didn't happen. Um, as a church, we're going through this month our heart attributes as to what the church is about. What, it, what is our, those are the things that are really important. And from that place of understanding what's important to us, we build a vision out of that because that helps shape our, our direction. If you don't know what's important to you, it's hard to know where you're going, right? It's hard to set the destination. And so thus far in our series, and you should have all at some point, uh, whether last year or this year received one of these, uh, which details just kind of, just kind of in ways for us to understand it. Five different heart attributes of the church. And the first one we looked at was enlarging that God has not called us to be a church unto ourselves, but he's called us to extend his kingdom. Right? He's called us to, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to make disciples. And so as a church, our, one of our primary, uh, primary heart attributes, primary mission is that actually the church would extend its borders beyond the, the footprint of its building, right? That Jesus would be glorified through the church as we are out in the community, as we're doing our own things, our own lives, but also that the church would engage in the mission of its local area, but also foreign mission. We then also looked at enabling, that the church is called to to make disciples. It's not just getting people to say a sinner's prayer, but it's calling people into their destiny to be a follower of Jesus, to be someone who's walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, learning to be just like Jesus, right? It's just not saying kind of a one-off prayer, but it's about walking with him and learning to be just like him in every way. And as a church, we're called to, to be part of this process. Today, we're looking at our third attribute, titled Empowering. Now, if you've got one of these, it'll read this. Empowering is about playing your part. We have a role, it, sorry, we have a role. I didn't copy it properly. We all have a role in God's kingdom. As a church, we want to see you empowered to fulfill your potential. To unpackage this heart attribute, we're going to look at a story found in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 onwards. We don't have it on, on PowerPoint today because we discovered that it doesn't work so well on the Brighton end. It flashes on their screen when it's showing behind me. So we're going to start reading the first few verses, 30 to 34. It says this, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have the chance to eat. So he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and be, 
because they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he began to teach them many things. Now to start with, this is one of the few stories that is found in all four Gospels. Interestingly enough, not every story, or as we follow the life of Christ, is it charted in every Gospel. But actually, this is one of the few stories that we see in all four Gospels. So because of that, we see it from different perspectives. And because of that, we can glean more of the story than just from one one storyteller or one person saying what happened. So the context is this, is that Jesus has sent out the 12. They have been doing a short-term missions trip. They've been kind of going to different places, doing great things. You know, they had really experienced God do powerful things in their ministry. They had also seen John the Baptist be beheaded. They didn't see it, but they heard of it. And uh, it was a time of you know, a, a lot of pressure. There was people coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat. And so these guys, these 12 guys were tired. They were ministering. They were kind of really going for it. And Jesus gives this great news. Guys, let's go on a retreat. Hey, who doesn't like going away to a quiet place after a really busy season, right? Come on, guys. Let's go to Spain and do up our apartment again. Let's just have a quiet retreat. Sorry, that's an inside joke there. I can just imagine that the disciples were really looking forward to this rest, as can you. Here these guys had been been journeying, had been doing lots of things, and Jesus gives this idea of let's just go away to a quiet place. Let's just get away from it all. And so there was this expectation in the disciples' heart that they were going to go to a restful place, right? If you were doing row, row, row your boat across the lake, You've been thinking, I'm so looking forward to having maybe a barbecued meal. We're going to just enjoy time with Jesus. It's going to be so quiet. John, are you looking forward to it? Yeah. Peter, oh man, I'm exhausted. Then as they start to near the shore, they look at the horizon and think, wait a minute. There's people there. Jesus, are you using the right sat-nav here? We're going to a place that's crowded with people. In fact, they got on shore and there's thousands of people waiting for them on the other end of the lake. Now, at this moment, Jesus, Jesus has this heart of compassion and he sees them and, and he begins to teach them and he begins to share his heart and, and heal the sick we see in scripture. Now, while Jesus was doing all of this, and Jesus really saying, you know what? I, I see sheep without a shepherd. These guys are lost. They need help. The time is kind of getting late, and I, I think the disciples were thinking, Jesus, remember why we came here to start with. You, you need to send them away. It's getting late. They need to get some food. It's interesting is that they give Jesus the command. Jesus... You send them away because it's getting late. It's funny how it doesn't often work well when we give God the commands. Because God often has a different plan than we have. Sending them away actually wasn't part of Jesus' plan. And uh, no doubt, although the disciples needed much rest, and Jesus probably needed rest, there was a higher calling at this moment, something God was going to work through. 
And at this moment, if you can just picture yourself being like the disciples, exhausted, thousands of people, and you're just wanting a bit of R&R, just a little bit of relaxation. Jesus, just send them away, please. Then Jesus makes this audacious statement. I, I just want us to feel the statement. If you were there, what would you feel like? Right? The disciples give this some really, this is a remote place, I'm away. And in verse 37, he gives the statement, you give them something to eat. What? Now there's 5,000 men, not to mention women and children. That could have been fifteen to 20,000 people there. We're tired, Jesus. We came here for a retreat. And you say, you give them something to eat? Us? I'm sure it took a minute for the penny to drop in their hearts thinking, what planet are you on, Jesus? So they, they come up with this response. They said, they said, that would take eight months of man's wages. Are we going to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? And if you read through the, the other, the other um, gospels, we see there's this, there's way too much money. We don't have that kind of resource. Where would we buy the food to start with? There's only 12 of us. There's 5,000 of them. We're under resource, Jesus. You're asking something that's a bit impossible. This is beyond us. How can we do this, Jesus? This is not what we set out on this mission to do. We're supposed to be having a vacation. And now you've called us to be doing something that's beyond our ability. When I said I was going to be your disciple, I thought we were going to go do miracles. Not feed this many people. Again, can you imagine going to the baker saying, I need 20,000 loaves of bread, please. Do you have some on the shelf? It's getting late. There's a lot of reasons why this is not a good plan. Jesus clearly had not thought this through. There's some things we need to understand about how God leads us as a church and as an individual. One is that God's leading takes us into the realm of the impossible. I've discovered that there's more surprises following Jesus than not following Jesus. There's often, and for anyone who's followed Jesus for a while, you realize you set out and you think it's going to be a certain way. And somewhere along the line, the plan gets changed. And it's like, God, if you gave me the memo along the way, maybe I would have been prepared, but I wasn't prepared for this. And even as a church family, God calls us to, to walk this, this line of faith, and he speaks audacious things to us sometimes. He calls us to things that, okay, Jesus, wait, what? No, that's impossible. We can't do that. There's many reasons why this is not a good idea, Jesus. Have you thought this through? Maybe there's a better plan. We've got a better plan. Send the people away. We'll wash our hands of it. Jesus was asking those disciples to do something that they could not do on their own. Isn't that an interesting statement? You give them something to eat, and yet they had nothing to give them. He was asking you to do something that they physically could not do. It was this impossible request. As a church, God is leading us to go down roads that are impossible. 
I mean, I shared earlier about buying a minibus for here in Burgess Hill. In Brighton, we're believing to see a thriving church in Kemptown. These, some of these things are impossible things. And it'd be easy to say, God, that is not a good idea. There's a lot of reasons why buying a minibus is not a good idea. We've discussed them in meetings. There's a lot of good reasons why you don't buy a minibus. There's health and safety. There's costs. There's drivers. There's volunteers. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you don't do this as a church. There's a lot of reasons churches don't do this. And yet, there's this mission where God says, I, I'm calling you, though, to reach this world for Jesus. You think, well, this is impossible. This plan is impossible. Yet God calls us into this realm. The second thing that we need to understand is God's strength is not made perfect in our strength, but it's made perfect in our weakness. You see, the disciples at this moment were physically and emotionally and spiritually weak. There was a sense of God, we're just tired. Now, can I just say, it's not good to always be at that place of being exhausted. I'm not saying that this is where we need to move in that realm. What I am saying is that as a church or as individuals, God is not looking for our strength, what we can bring to the table. But actually, Paul understood that his strength is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul says, you know, I'm going to boast all the more of my weakness so his strength may be lifted up in me. So his strength, his power would be manifested through my life. He's, God is not looking for us to be strong because he is strong. God is wanting to do a miracle through our lives if we'll let him. What's interesting and a thing to note is in John's account of this story, although Jesus says, you give them something to eat, it says Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. Do you know what? Jesus already has a plan. Center church, Jesus has a plan. In your personal lives, Jesus already has a plan. He isn't looking at our circumstances thinking, hmm, you sort it out. No, he already has a plan. Jesus asked the provocative question, you give them something to eat, knowing they could not do it, but he already had a plan as to what he was going to do in the circumstance. Wow. Suddenly, we shift from the impossible on our shoulders to something that God is on the move with. You see, Jesus calls us to join him in his work and his purposes. As a church, we have no ability to bring change to this world on our own. We can't do it. None of us can do it on our own. But he calls us to join him because he already has the plan. Jesus already has the plan. Now, the problem is, is that when Jesus says to us, you do it, we have lots of reasons as to why we shouldn't do it, why it's a bad idea, why we shouldn't be part of what God is doing. For Jesus, the plan and the, the fulfillment of the plan required three things. But before we look at those three things, we're going to read some more of the story. So we're going to read verses 38 to 41. How many loaves do you have? He said. He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of a hundred and fifty, hundreds, hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the, broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. 
They all ate and were satisfied. Here is some interesting thoughts. In order for Jesus to fulfill his plan, he already had a plan of what he was going to do, but it required involvement. Can I say, when God looks at Burgess Hill, when God looks at Brighton, he already has a plan. But he needs us to be part of his plan. We are part of the instruments that he works through to fulfill his plan. His plan doesn't just happen all on its own without our involvement. It involves us. And one thing that we see as a striking point in this story is, is one of the first things that was needed was a willingness. When Jesus says, go find out how much food we've got. Now, again, in the other accounts, we see that this food of the five loaves and two fishes were not part of what they had, but they were the belongings of a little boy. Okay? So I want us to think through, when Jesus sent them out to look at what they had, they went through over 5,000 people to see how much food there was available. Yes? Would you not associate it, kind of think of it that way? Can I tell you, if 5,000 men plus women and children were in that, how many people do you think had brought some food? Honestly. If I were, if we were suddenly in a desert right now, I bet in this room right now there's some food. We would find out soon enough, wouldn't we? There's some little crackers, some snacks, something, some mums in this room I know have a purse full of little goodies. Am I correct in saying this? Okay, there are some nods. We won't die. Okay, when Jesus sends up the guys, there was a willingness of one little boy to offer what he had. It was his lunch, and there was no guarantees he was going to get back what he gave. Jesus sent out these guys, and who has, okay, Jesus is looking for how much food there is here. So they go out. Hey, guys, do you know, you guys got any food? You know what's interesting? When you're in a remote place and there is no food around that area, just like if there's petrol shortage, do people share? No. Whoa. Well, I got, okay, well, Jesus looking for my food. No. Well, we got, I got enough, I got enough to get me to the store to get more, but I, I don't know if I can share this, but well, I've got, no, no, we don't have anything. We have nothing to share. We've got, we've got nothing. Yet this boy, was the only one willing to give up what he had, willing to offer it to the Lord. Can I say to you, what do you have on offer? You know, Jesus, when we look at the church being empowering, Jesus calls all of us to give what we have to him. That voice going out to the crowd saying, what, we're looking for what is here for food. You know what? All of us have something to offer the king. We are all here with something. You can't be here with nothing because God has entrusted to all of us something. And when Jesus asks, what is, what are you, what is your part in this big picture of my story? What can you offer? All of us have something to offer. Can I tell you what? In that big of a crowd, it didn't look like five loaves and two fishes was very much to offer. Yet that didn't matter. We all have something. We have gifts, we have time, we have finances, we have talents. We all have something to offer and to play a part in God's kingdom. 
and in the church family. The second thing, there was a faith. There was faith that Jesus could use what was given to him. Remember, it's only five loaves and two fishes. But it's yours that you're giving to Jesus. They put these little things into Jesus' hands. It requires faith to say, Lord, here's my life. All I have to offer you, use it for your glory. There's a faith step required in that. You know, it's much easier to hold on to what we have because we think we need it for ourselves. We think if we give what we've got to the church, if we give what we've got to his kingdom, if, if I really use it for his purposes, but I need that for myself. It's a faith step to say, God, I give you what I've got. Here it is. I, I, I put it in your hands. As little as it might seem for the overwhelming need. Can I tell you what? When I walk around Burgess Hill, when I walk around Brighton, I see enormous need and I don't feel we've got much to offer. But what I do have, we give to the Lord. We say, God, do you know what? We, we lack so many things. Really, Jesus says to us, even to the spiritual need, the spiritual hunger of our areas, both here and in Brighton, you feed them. This too much. In Brighton, there's thousands of people. How do we feed them? What, what do you have? What's there? God isn't concerned with quantity. Isn't that amazing? Jesus wasn't concerned about the quantity. He was just looking for substance. He wasn't concerned about the quality or the quantity of gifts or talents or money or anything. He was just looking for the quality. Was there anything edible? Was there anything that could be used? Do you know what? When we give God what we have, you know what? God uses it for his glory. Do you know what was interesting in this story? This little boy invested into the kingdom of God and reaped a harvest. He sowed his fish and his loaves into the situation. And as we come to the end of the very story, at the end of the story, we'll see there was a harvest afterwards. Now, I don't know where those basketfuls went. There was 12 basketfuls. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll end the story right now. There was 12 basketfuls picked up afterwards. There was this miracle happened. Now, who got the basketful? Who gave the money or who gave the resources to start? Well, the little boy did. Now, I don't know if those 12 basketfuls went back to that family as resource. I don't know. Because that's where it originated from. The reality is that little boy, if he did get any of that... Mom, I know you packed me a lunch, but I got a bit more. I ate, I'm full, I'm stuffed, but I got 12 baskets full to feed us for the rest of the week. You know, the kingdom of God belongs to such these, the children. The simplicity of faith saying, God, I give you what I've got. Here it is. I don't disqualify my offering. I know what I've got. I give it to you. Here it is. Do you know what? That simple faith of a child is where the God's kingdom lies. You and I have something to bring to the king. You know, it's interesting when Jesus carried on in his ministry and he really started to get tough about his talk about following him. Do you know what? The thousands of people left. They didn't really want to be his disciples. And it's kind of evident even in this story. Nobody wanted to share what they had. They just wanted to get something out of it. You know, in church, we can be just here to kind of get something out of it. But God is looking for us to give something into it. He's put something in your hands to give into it, not just to take out. 
Can I just say, don't disqualify yourself. We all have something. Remember, Jesus is in the business of multiplication. If you're willing as people and as a church to move in the realm of faith, God can do extraordinary things. The last point that we see from this is there was obedience. When Jesus asked the disciples to do, to do different things, they actually did it. They found a willing volunteer or donor of the food. They arranged the crowds. They served the crowds. They had a part to play in the story, even though they were not the providers of the food. Do you know, there comes to a point where we just have to be obedient, even though we don't fully understand where this is all going. When Jesus says, go find how much food there is, I'm sure they were like, well, there's still probably not going to be enough, Jesus. Like, probably not that many people back to lunch this morning. Okay, but we'll do it. We'll do it. Okay, get everyone to sit down in groups of 50. Okay, Jesus, I don't know if you remember, we only said there was five loaves and two fishes. Now you're having us prepare them. They're going to have an expectation we're going to feed them, but we still don't have the provision yet. We don't see this argument going on. They just simply do it. They don't know where the miracle has come. You know, there comes points in our lives we have to just take the steps of obedience, even though we don't know where it's all going to lead. Jesus is saying something. We understand his voice. He's speaking to us. Yet there's still this big black hole of the unknown. <laughs> so many times in my life, there's been these big black holes of the obvious. Come on. Where you step out. God calls you to take steps of action. You think, but, okay, but Jesus, there's these, there's these areas that we still don't have answers for. Okay, but just keep going. Keep going. It's very difficult to steer a car that's not moving. But when we start taking actions of obedience to the Lord, do you know what? God can start to move and start to steer it, even though in ourselves we don't have the answers. We don't know what's all going to play out. I don't know how it's going to play out with the minibus. I don't know. I just know God dropped this thought in my heart. That's all I know. I don't know how it's all going to play out in Brighton, but I just know we got to keep going in Brighton. I don't know how it's going to play out in the different things that we're working on, but we just got to keep going. Because God hasn't said anything different. And you know, we have a part to play in those simple steps of obedience to the king. Even though we don't understand where the provision is going to come, how this all this big plan is going to work out, all we know and all we can take confidence is, is that Jesus had a plan. Can I tell you, whatever you're going through in your life right now, can I say Jesus has a plan? And you need to just keep taking the steps as he guides you, one step at a time. You know, Jesus doesn't tell them in this briefing before this whole thing happens exactly what's going to take place. He tells them one step at a time what to do, right? Go see how much food's there. Well, first of all, you feed them. What? Okay, see how much food's there. Okay, get everyone to sit down. Now, up to this point, they do not know where the provisions come, but God has a plan. There's something happening, and he's preparing the framework for the miracle. That's the sweet spot. If we can stay the course of obedience, stay the course of taking the steps of faith, stay the course of being continually willing to do and to offer and to play our part, we create the sweet spot where the miracle comes. Man, that's where I want to be. But Jesus doesn't start there. He looks at what's before that point. And he wants us to play it out with him. He wants us to trust him. 
The result was they were all satisfied and there was more than enough. You know what? This is the economy of God's kingdom and plan. There is always more than enough. I admire John and Eliana in their steps of faith with IBTI. I know there's been moments that you think, God, <laughs> where is the money going to come for the building? And yet there's steps one step at a time, one step at a time. One, miracles come one step at a time. You know what? God is on the move. And if we continue to walk with him and journey with him, do you know what? We will see more than enough. I don't want to live a life holding on to what I've got. I want to see more than enough in God's kingdom. I don't know about you, but God wants to do more than I could dare to dream or imagine. And I just have to let him. And as a church, we have to let him. God is calling us to take steps of faith. He's calling us to take new grounds. And ultimately, this question this morning for you as a person who is part of this church, are you, will be, are you willing to be part of his story? Are you willing to be the boy? Are you willing to be the disciple? Are you willing to, to play your part in this? Not just there as a consumer. The 5,000 were there as a consumer. But there were 13 people that were part of the miracle. Man, I want to be on that side of it. I don't want to be just sitting there, feed me. No. Sometimes church can be like that. I'm just here to be fed. Well, do you know what? Maybe need to offer something. And then you'll get fed. Again, we all have something to offer, a part to play. And God is looking for each of us to, to be willing to give the Lord what we have. To move in the area of faith, believing that God can do the impossible with what we have to offer. Not limiting Him. But then taking the steps of obedience to move when God says go. Can I just say, the door is open for you. And in this church, we believe in empowering you to take hold of your place in what God wants to do in your life. This is not a one-band show, a one-person show. But actually, God wants to move in your life, in your circumstances. God wants to empower you to be that boy, to be like the disciples, to be part of the story of God bringing the miracle. Jesus has a plan. And just maybe where you're at right now, I just as I was thinking through this this passage of scripture, I, you know, Jesus sent the disciples. And they they walked through the crowds, as we've already mentioned, and and just asked, "What what do you have to offer? What, what is there any food?" And ultimately, a boy put out his hands with what he had in his bag, and said, "Here, here it is. I, I've got I've got this. He can have this." Do you know what? just where you're at in Brighton as well? If this is your heart. I want you just to put your hands out as if you're offering God what you've got. And we're going to pray and we're going to, we're going to give God what we've got. We're just going to give Him. Not disqualifying it, not thinking it's not enough, but just saying, here it is. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are not looking at how much we've got. You're looking at our willingness to give you what we do have. And God, 
I pray you would forgive us for moments where we've held back, where we've, we've thought, well, I, I need that for myself. Lord, we want to have the heart of faith and willingness of that little boy who said, you know what? This is my only lunch, but I'm going to give it to the king. I want to give it to the Lord. If he's asking for it, I'll give it. I'll go hungry. It's okay. Lord, I pray that we would lose our life in you. We would lose the things we have in you, that everything that we think is precious to us. Lord, we give it to you this day. God, we want to be people that play a part in your story, play a part in your kingdom. God, I, I pray that there would be a obedience to take the steps, even though we don't understand how it will play out. I pray you put in us the obedience. Or you pray, help us to be obedient. Lord, to keep saying yes. Okay. Don't understand why you're asking me to do this, but I'm, I'm going to keep going. Don't know where the provision is going to come, but we're going to keep going. Don't know how this is going to work out, but we're going to keep going. Lord, help us to be a church that just keeps going, keeps moving forward, keeps taking steps of faith forward, even though we don't understand where all the resources will come from. God, we do ask. Lord, at the end of this story, we saw you do amazing miracles. You fed, and there was uh, over an abundance of supply. God, we are praying that there would be that kind of breakthrough in the church of center, of center church, both here in Burgess Hill and in our, our campus in Brighton. Lord, that this would be a time where we see more than enough. Lord, we see more than enough. Lord, that there would be a satisfaction of seeing your supernatural intervention and provision. Lord, we would see that the enemy's strongholds be pushed back. And we will see your kingdom advance with power and in strength. God, we ask that. Lord, in response to us saying, God, we're going to play our part in the story. Lord, would you do your part? Lord, we know you have a plan. You're not without a plan. And so God, we say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. We say yes to you today. Your will happen. In your name, amen. We're going to invite the worship team on both, both ends to come up. Why don't you stand with me, please? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.